the good girls go to hell Cause even got herself as Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. The news this past week for Mother Earth was grim, with reports that the Gulf Stream might be collapsing, wildfires burning out of control around the globe, and the IPCC report dropping that indicates we are already facing irreversible effects of climate change. It's almost paralyzing, but this show is about action, and so we start this week's show with Catherine McKenna, who announced earlier this summer she was stepping away from politics to focus on the two things that matter to her most, her children and the environment. Catherine doesn't pull any punches when it comes to calling out climate change deniers and delayers and wants us to do the same. She joins me today to share what we can do at a personal level and what we should be demanding from our government. Anne Brody joins me with this week's entertainment releases, which includes the incredibly moving and thoughtful Nine Days, which is a love letter to the gift of life, the funny and heartwarming Swan Song starring Udo Kier and the hilarious Jennifer Coolidge, plus the return of Modern Love on Amazon Prime. Money and stress often go hand in hand, unfortunately. So this week, Dillis Cruz from Meridian Credit Union joins me for the fourth segment in a series on taking control of your personal finances and ways to alleviate stress caused by money woes. Pregnancy, while a joyous time in most women's lives, can also bring about drastic changes to our bodies, right down to our dental health. Anita Deddy from Dental X has some tips for ensuring that you keep your smile in tip-top shape for when baby arrives. Finally, two-time Canadian Juno Award nominee Susie Ungerleiter officially opens a new chapter of her already distinguished and highly successful career with the August 13th release of her new album entitled My Name is Susie Ungerleiter. She joins me to share the single Summer Baby with us and the sweet story behind the song. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. My God is gonna The IPCC issued a code red for humanity this week, which warns there is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide from the devastating effects of climate change. My next guest made headlines earlier this summer when she announced she was leaving her role in politics as the MP for Ottawa Centre and Minister of Infrastructure and Communities to throw her weight fully behind addressing climate change. Catherine McKenna joins me now to discuss where we go from here. Welcome to the show, Catherine. It's great to be on the show. I mean, this report is absolutely devastating. And all I can think is, is, you know, human emotions are going to be flight, fight or freeze. Uh, What we don't want people to do is to be frozen in the headlights with this news. So how do we start to address this? Well, first of all, I mean, I think this important this report is really important because it updates the science uh, and it says a few things. Um, One, uh, we're in a climate emergency. Uh, We need to start treating it like that, Um, that climate change is man made um, and we know how it's caused. 
And um, uh, that we, sadly, it's going to get worse before it gets better because we've already locked in 1.5 degree of warming. So that means, you know, I was just in Nunavut, um, that glaciers that are melting are going to melt, um, that sea level rise is happening, um, that extreme weather we will continue to see across uh, the world. Um, and we need rapid and drastic discussion to, uh, reductions in greenhouse gas emissions this decade. So, I mean, look, what is that? So, you know, we've heard much of this before, but I think this is really like, okay, choices, it's up to us. We all need to decide that we actually care about our planet, that we care about a sustainable future for our kids, and that we're going to be serious, um, that we are going to take the action that we need to do. Um, and it, I, I like to say, like, climate change is just like math. Emissions only go up or down. You're either increasing emissions or you're subtracting emissions. And so we need to just think about that with everything we do. But of course, you know, the biggest thing is fossil fuels. Like that is what we know is the challenge. Um, and so uh, I think that like, look, the, 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 one has to be hopeful. Um, I'm a um, practical realist. Um, and uh, I think that, uh, we, we know what we need to do. So now we just need to do it. And I think that means governments need to step up. That means, um, but that means all governments, like it's been a real challenge. I will tell you with province, certain provinces, um, oh, and with, the, with cough, Alberta, cough. Jason Kenney is still <laughs> tweeting out like do less, not more. And that's going to help our workers. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, that there is no, the world is moving fast to, uh, uh, a cleaner future. And um, it's going to hurt workers if we don't figure that out. But by the way, there's no jobs in a burning planet, right? Like I, I, I think that we got to, we, we just, you know, need to call out things like that, to be honest, I will. Um, because I, I think we can't, we got to be dealing on the facts. Um, but, you know, we really do need everyone to be working together. And that's, that's like cities, cities control 40% of emissions, but also individuals. So like, you know, I think it comes down to, so what can you do? One thing that I think is important are kids marching in the streets, because let's be clear that having Greta, uh, who started out, by the way, on her own, you know, doing strikes on her own in front of parliament. There's a picture. I remember a black and white picture when she very, very, when she just started and she was there on her own saying this is unacceptable. And I'm just going to I'm just going to stay here until people you know, take this seriously and look at the movement she's created. So. For the kids out there, just keep on demanding more action. It's your future and you're owed a sustainable future. And it's the choices we as adults make largely that are going to have that impact. Um, so two, uh, push political leaders to do more. And, and I think that's really important. Like, look, it only helps me uh, within government to do more when, you know, Canadians demanded action. And, and look what happened in the last election. You know, the Conservatives thought they could win by running against us on a price and pollution. And the most Canadians voted for parties that recognize that polluting can't be free. Um, and by the way, I asked grade four students, I think, do you think it should be free to pollute? They're like, oh. so it's not, you know, it's not that hard to to to, you know, support good policy. Um, sadly, we had to take this to the Supreme Court, which was a colossal waste of time. I mean, in a good way, the, the law is now, you know, it, it's now resilient and it's been proven that yes, uh, it is the federal government can put a price on pollution. And then I think we all need to think about what are, what are things we can do in our day-to-day -day lives? Like we're making huge investments in public transit because we need it to be an irresistible option. Um, 
that, you know, we need to get cars off the road. It is just a reality. Um, and so taking public transit is, is incredibly important. Um, you know, looking at making different purchases, uh, an electric vehicle, um, you know, we have incentives now to lower the price uh, of electric vehicles soon um, because the market is changing so quickly, you will find, and we've committed to this, that eventually it's all electric vehicles. Um, but there's a whole range of choices that we can make um, in how we, what food we consume. Like, are we looking at the carbon footprint of our food? Are we buying locally produced food? Um, you know, there's, there's a range of options. And I think that that is empowering in a way to think that it's not beyond us, that we can make decisions and we can also support politicians and vote, literally vote for politicians. They're going to do, uh, they're going to take ambitious, serious action on climate change um, and then hold them accountable. We'll be right back with more of this interview with Catherine McKenna. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot. We are back with more of the interview with Catherine McKenna on the climate crisis. There is an election looming. We all know it. When it's coming, you know, is, is a, only a question of time, I guess, days probably before we know for sure there's an election looming. So what should people be looking for and demanding of their parties uh, when it comes to the environment? Uh, you know, what are sort of the big things our government, never mind individuals, but our government can be addressing? Well, look, I think look, the good news is we have a climate plan. Um, we are going to exceed the target that we started off with, um, reducing emissions by 30 percent. We've now committed to reducing emissions by 40 to 45 percent. So now we've got to do the hard work of grinding down on the policies and implementing the policies, getting off coal, moving away from fossil fuels. But part of that also, and we, we do need to support workers. Like, People in these sectors do need to be supported. They worked very hard and we've all benefited to be clear in Canada from the use of fossil fuels, but they're having, you know, uh, now, as we know, a devastating impact on the planet. So we need to be making sure we're supporting workers and communities. Um, and uh, I think we need to work with the world. Like we have a very big international climate conference going uh, coming up. And we need more ambition. Yeah, from Canada, but we've put out, you know, more ambitious targets. Um, but we also, we need every country to do that. And developing countries who've done the least to cause climate change, we need to be supporting them. So they are saying they need $100 billion commitment from developed countries. And I think that's incredibly important. We've increased, we've doubled our climate finance um, to help countries not only reduce their emissions, but adapt to the impacts of climate change. So. I mean, I think there's a lot to be done, although I do think if everyone did what Canada is doing, we'd be way further ahead because we have a serious plan with serious policies. And so people are like, why are you leaving? And I mean, everyone has all these like, they, they, you know, conjectures, but I'm leaving. It's actually really simple that uh, I want to do more to tackle climate change um, internationally because we all need to be very serious. And Yes, I have kids. So, I mean, partly it is, you know, obviously I want to have spend more time with my kids, but it's for my kids. Like I'm in a position, I believe, to do more. And I have to think about, you know, I'm now, I just turned 50. What do I do in the next decade? Because this next decade is absolutely critical. 
Um, so uh, I'm going to look at how we do things like get the world off coal. You are on what she said. So and, you know, this is largely I think this is uh, women in particular are going to be a real driver behind these climate change initiatives that are happening. Do you agree with that? Oh, I 100% agree. So I created something when I was Minister of Environment and Climate Change called Women Kicking It on Climate. And it's funny because I did it with my department. They're like, can't you just call it Women Climate Leaders? And I was like, no, it's like women are kicking it. Like they are doing the hard work. I saw this in the context of the Paris Agreement. And it wasn't just women politicians. Of course, there were very brave women politicians, but it was also, you know, women labor leaders, women human rights activists, indigenous women. Um, business women that I don't know, like, I don't know why it's up to women to, to really get it. Um, maybe because many of us are, are mothers or caregivers for aging parents, or just like, we can just see, you know, where we're going. Um, but women have been really driving ambitious climate action. I am going to resurrect. I have a bunch of things I want to do, um, but one, I will resurrect women kicking it on climate because networks matter. And in many countries, I mean, even here, like, look, it wasn't always easy for me. Uh, sometimes people like, you know, just get very agitated. We seem to have like climate denial with misogyny <laughs> all in one package. Um, but for some of these activists, like their life is really threatened. And I think this network, um, the knowledge, the support, uh, Canada's helped invest in, in climate, female climate negotiators, like they need to be at the table. This is something that is extremely important to me because I think women are actually more capable at driving ambitious but practical climate actions. So I'm super on that. Like, like I'm super, and plus I love it. I love like hanging out with these amazing, super smart, super driven women from a whole range of backgrounds, including girls um, who are demanding uh, more and acting. And that's really empowering. And uh, so I'm definitely on that. Um, and it's it's 100% true. Women often uh, are able to drive much more ambitious climate action. All right, well, count me in. I, I want in. I am telling you right now, count me nice. in. Nice, let's, well, let's keep it up. Like I All think right. having so, these conversations. As many as we can, uh, but I do want people to be able to connect with you, find out more, volunteer, uh, take action. So please just rhyme off where they can go. Well, I mean, I look, I'm still, uh, I'm still minister right now. Uh, I'm still a member of parliament. Um, so uh, I, I think it's a stay tuned, um, but I will be very focused on mobilizing ambitious climate action. We don't have time. Uh, it is the thing I am like, the thing is the thing. And the thing is climate change is the thing I'm most passionate about. Um, but it's all hands on deck. So I'm happy to come back. I will let everyone know, stay tuned. Um, but it'll be something that I think will, will make a real difference um, because I'm just focused on how do you get outcomes in. A sustainable planet for our kids. There is nothing more important. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today, Catherine. I know it's a very busy day for you with this report <laughs> coming out. So I'm so happy you joined me. That's awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Joining me for Saturday Night at the Movies this week is Anne Brody with a whole bunch of new entertainment for us. And boy, oh boy, do we need it this week. Anne, what do you got for us? I've got plenty of great stuff. What a week, honestly. Uh, I'm going to start with Nine Days, which is a, a 
mystical, intellectually stimulating story of a man who lives in a little home in the desert, Winston Duke. What an actor. And his job is to uh, screen applicants, people, creatures who want to be human. So one by one, they come to his door and they do interviews and he decides whether or not they meet the criteria. Meanwhile, he and, and his helper, Benedict Wong, what an actor too, they're watching all these screens of uh, applicant, not only applicants, but former winners who became human. And they get so involved in, in the most minute of things. So Will, uh, Winston Duke, is he's in a bit of a, a funk because one of the people that he really backed, Emma, became a violin prodigy. And uh, he fought for her um, to live. And unfortunately, she takes her own life. So it throws him into this existential dilemma about what he does and the people he picks. So one by one, we go through the, with these applicants to learn their story. And he, he looks at things that we don't even talk about in movies these days, like morality and um, ethical behavior and Honestly, it just grabs you by the throat. Uh, as I said, it's mystical and it's gut-wrenching and it reminds us the gift of life and that we should appreciate every second of it because those who don't get life are put into eternal oblivion. Yeah, it's it's, it's timely for that appreciation of life uh, uh, narrative. But what struck me watching the trailer is it truly is unique in the space it's unlike anything oh right yes this little house from the 40s it looks like a little bungalow in the desert and the desert's constantly changing and it's a whole universe of its own you're absolutely right yeah it's the trailer was lovely so i'm looking forward to seeing the full movie uh you have a movie coming out with uh there's a movie coming out with Udo Kier Swan Song <laughs> and I watched the trailer and I thought I love this guy but I've never really paid much attention to him but I do I okay. love him and everything I've seen him in Yes he he was like a German heartthrob in the 70s he just spectacularly gorgeous and he's aged so beautifully and he's such a sweet man and I have my interview with him on our website uh, recently, he plays a hairdresser who's living in a, um, a retirement home. He hates it. He's always looking to get out. One day, a lawyer comes to him and says, look, your leading client and one of the most prestigious people in our community, Sandusky, Ohio, has died. And the woman's played by Linda Carter. So he says, no, she left me. I won't do it. And then he offers him 25000 and he sort of thinks about it. He is so piqued at life in general that he runs out, out of the nursing home and goes for a walk, walking towards Sandusky and having all kinds of adventures that just, oh, kill you, break and, your heart. And who I absolutely, I... I, I I had a big grin go across my face when I was watching the preview and I saw Jennifer Coolidge. I adore her. Yes, she plays against type. She plays his former assistant who's now successful and she's very mean to him. But in the end, she comes through. So, and he goes to a woman in a vintage shop. She says, you changed my life. You made me blonde. And he says, I remember it's because blah, 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 blah. So she gives him a lime green suit a pink brimmed hat, jewelry, 
he's very gay. He was this, the little village's leading drag performer. And he continues his walk. And it's just heartbreaking. He sees the house that he lived in with his lover has been destroyed. He goes and visits his tombstone for the first time. Honest to God, you'll you'll be crying. It's just, and I won't tell you what happens, whether or not he does Linda Evans. I will ask you to see it. All right. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, so we've got time for maybe to focus on one more. Uh, what do you, Modern what do you love? got? Modern, Modern love. love. Oh, it's back for a second season on Amazon, and it is on fire. It's international. I think my favorite episode was set in Dublin when two fellas, Kit Harrington and Lucy Boynton, a guy and a girl, uh, meet on a train, nothing special, and then they decide that they're going to meet there in three weeks' time. They're not going to exchange phone numbers. They're just going to meet. It's going to be old-fashioned, old school. Well, the pandemic comes along and all the stations are closed. Oh, it's, honestly, it's this week is so emotional. It's it's wonderful. And the other ones are funny. They're tragic. There's Sophie Okondo and, um, oh, what's his name? I forget. They play an older couple who have separated and they get back together again. And we see how that goes. It looks at so many different aspects of love. And the final one I want to talk about is uh, Night Girl and Day Boy, a girl who lives at night. She's never seen the sun in Manhattan. And he's a day boy. And they, it creates all kinds of strange problems you'd never think about. But it's so beautifully done. And it's a wonderful, lovely series. So there's plenty to see this week. All right. Well, as always, you have a whole list of new entertainment on what she said talk.com, and you'll be back next week with more. Yeah. Thank you, Candace. Thanks, Anne. I promise that you'll never find another like me. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. We are halfway through our masterclass series with Meridian Credit Union with the fourth class today. And our topic is important for anyone listening, no matter where you are in your financial journey, because stress and money go hand in hand. Dillis DeCruz joins me today to discuss. Welcome back, Dillis. Always great to be here, Candice. I love this topic. I think it's something we don't talk enough about. We sort of think of them as separate things and they're so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I thought what a perfect time halfway through the masterclass to talk about the real why you want to take control and get help uh, with your, your, fin- your financial well-being really is what it's about. And so this study was done by Financial Planning Canada just recently, and two in five Canadians uh, said money is the number one source of stress in their life. And so that just hit me. And I thought, you know, we're always talking about go see an advisor and here's what you need to do. And we're always talking about the how or what you have to do. But this is really about how important it is because it's directly linked to your health. And you know, when you're stressed out, we all know that it can have an impact physically. It can have an impact mentally. Um, It can have an impact on your relationships, which is what the study is saying. It's impacting all these things. And so um, I thought it was just an important topic to talk about. 
And I think if we think about just briefly, just think about all the ways this stress impacts our life. It, uh, mm-hmm. Divorce is one, is a marital issues is huge. Uh, not being able to provide the way you would, might want to for your kids, that can cause stress. Not being able to do the things you want to do. So there is all these things that sort of come from that. And so this is a way to create, uh, taking control of this is a way to create some calm around you, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about this study, and I've got a bunch of numbers here, but is that people are losing sleep. (laughs) They are losing sleep. And I think the number was, you know, around 30, 40% of people are le- losing sleep. Actually, it's higher and women are losing more sleep. I think it was about 50% of men are losing sleep and about 47%. So, you know, men are just as stressed, but women carry it more. And then of course you look at um, women with families and children, the added stress of that. They're, you know, they're carrying the burden of running the family. They've got their children and now they've got this money stress. And so, you know, what is it that people are really stressed about? And it was like two main things. It was about my future. So building a nest egg, whether that's retirement or saving for the future and keeping up with bills and expenses. These are the big stress factors about 30. Well, it was equal. It was about 35% of each category uh, is where people felt the stress. And now I'm always on here talking about you got to see a financial planner, a financial planner. Uh, and so this study actually talked about it objectively. And so I'm not self-serving. Uh, it actually goes to show why, why you should. And it talked about, um, you know, the survey showed that once you had a financial planner, it significantly improved your well-being. And so that was really, and, and it said here that, uh, and I, I'm pulling these numbers right off, is that um, once you had a financial planner, the fi- their finances didn't cause them as much stress. 37% went down to 19%. Wow. Once you had a financial planner in place. So, you know, and they were less likely to cite money as their top source of stress. It was at 39% before a financial planner and it went down to 23%. So they've done, so now you've got numbers to prove why I always say, go see a financial advisor. Because if you think about it, right, well, when you have a physical ailment, you go see a doctor to deal with that. Exactly and, what I was just thinking. I literally right? just thinking that very thing. We're insane. Um, <laughs> when, when you have, you know, you're, you're in sort of a mental crisis or you're going through some, uh, you know, anxiety or any sort of mental illness or issue, Hopefully, people will seek out uh, the help of a therapist or psychologist and they go and get help. But yet, we're really, really hesitant to go and seek the help of a financial advisor. And so I wanted to pause there because I really wanted your opinion on this. Why do you think that is? I don't have the answer, by the way. I'm not leading you. Why, why do you think people are hesitant to go see a financial planner? Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I think there's, for some reason, in our society, there seems to be some shame associated with not being able to manage your money. And yet, if you look at it, we don't necessarily, we don't teach it in school, although that is coming, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Um, You know, and, and finances are complicated. You know, often my kids will come to me and they'll say, oh, this hurts or this hurts. And I'll say, well, I'm not a doctor. So let's call our doctor. And it's the same with financial uh, things. You know, 
it's useless to ask me a question about TFSAs. I haven't gone to school for it. I haven't done a deep dive on it. But a financial planner is is going to be able to tell you the same way a teacher or a doctor or somebody in that profession would know it, right? Yeah. And and I would say too, you know, even in the industry, and I've taught, I've been very transparent as well. I have a financial advisor because I don't do this for a living. I have the team that does this. And so even for me, who's been in the industry for, you know, over 30 years uh, in financial services, I look to my financial advisor to give me peace of mind. And so quarterly, he's touching base. He's telling me what to do. <laughs> tell me what to do. I actually like that. <laughs> you know, just tell me what to do because I, I don't want to worry about it. And so I, I do agree with you. And it's getting past that. I need to know the answers or I'm embarrassed that I don't uh, have the answers because that added stress of uh, not knowing and then just kind of, um, you know, hoping it's all going to work out or just being locked in the stress of not having a solution, I think is, is causing a big problem. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes it just takes some an outsider to say to you, you know, if you were to put X amount of money away into this, here's where you could be. And they can show you all of those things. And sometimes it's hard because you're in the weeds. You can't see where you can cut. You can't see where you can change your budget. Uh, but if somebody's outside looking in, they see things you won't. Yeah. And, and so another piece that came out of this study is that three quarters of Canadians under 35 um, identified money and work as their top stresses. So money was 44% identified as a stress. So the, the Gen Zs, you know, or the low end of the millennials um, are, are really feeling that stress. And they, but they do acknowledge, they're twice as likely to acknowledge that if I had a, a financial plan, I, I would have less stress. So, you know, now you're getting the numbers to give you reasons exactly why you want to go. And you just think about, um, it's so easy to get that advice. And obviously we're always, this is why I'm doing this. <laughs> this is why my team's doing this. And this is, we just built a website too. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of resources out there to get help. And then it's just about contacting somebody and sitting down and talking to somebody. Okay. So let's talk about some action steps then, because we know it causes stress. Everybody listening is just nodding their head right now saying, yep, I am totally stressed. <laughs> so yeah. let's give some action then to this. Um, before you see a financial planner, uh, before you even pick one, what should you have in place? So you have to really kind of have a sense, go in knowing your basics, right? Just know what your cash flow is, know what your cash flow is. So that basically what's your expenses, well, how much money do you have coming in and how much money do you have come, going out and a general balance sheet, right? What are my assets? What are my liabilities? And I think just that collective to get you started. And depending on why you're seeing an advisor, is it debt that's stressing you out so that they could go in and help you restructure, give you some advice? Or are you also stressed out that I have debt and I haven't saved for the future? So you, you want to go in and say, you know, here's what I want to address. And the other thing is you don't have to address it all in one shot. You know, it could be chunks and you, and you sit with an advisor and you say, here's the things I want to address. And we can get there in several meetings, but definitely you need to know where you are financially before you go in and see someone, because you're going to have to articulate it for sure. And I think people sitting at home are probably going, oh, how much money is this going to cost me? That's always yeah. a big one, right? Yes. So it doesn't cost you anything. I mean, depending on who you go to. And so there are um, financial planners that for a fee, they will do a financial plan. But in our case of Meridian, it's you come in and talk to an advisor, you have a general conversation and they can give you guidance and it's not going to cost you anything. And then they can put you on a plan if it's whether debt repayment and whether it's growing uh, 
your assets for the future. And that still is not going to cost you anything. So you don't have to pay anything, but I want people to take that first step. It's so easy. And now even more so you can do it remotely, right? You don't even have to leave your house, which I love. I love it because I'm one of those remote people, although I can't wait to to get out and talk to people again and be with people, uh, but do it remotely. You know, you, you can do it remotely or you can do it by phone and we can get you started for sure. But that, but it's take that action step to, to meet with somebody. Okay. So let's circle back then to the education piece, because that is something you're offering. None of us are going back to school, but we can get the education. So where can we get all of those pieces from Meridian? Yeah, so I am super excited because, uh, well, it was late Friday, we launched our HerSense, call it HerSense, uh, website, and that is on our our Meridian website under Wealth, um, and it has all sorts of information. We're going to continue to build it out. So all these segments that we've done are going to be on there. We talk about, are you going through career transition? How do you do a budget? All sorts of information. This will be a portal for people to go in and really get information and learn. And, and it's this kind of conversations. It's We're not going to talk at this level. We're going to talk just at the basic level to help people feel more comfortable. So go visit Meridian's website called HerSense, specifically for women. So, All right. Yeah. Wonderful. We're going to put that up on the video that goes out on social. And yeah. if people would like to see uh, the previous master classes, that's on what she said, talk.com. And you're going to be back next month for more. Yes, we are. And I would say on our website, if we have a link to connect with an advisor, so you can do it virtually, just link and we will contact you. So you don't even have to leave your house. Great way to start the conversation. All right. Incredible. Thank you, Dillis. Okay. Always great, Candice. while a joyous time in most women's lives can also bring about drastic changes to our bodies, right down to our dental health. Anita Deddy from Dental X has some tips for ensuring that you keep your smile in tip-top shape for when baby arrives. Welcome to the show, Anita. Thank you for having me. So the last time you were on, we talked about hormones and how they affect women's dental health. I can't think of another time, perhaps maybe except menopause, where a woman would be more hormonal than during pregnancy. Um, so let's talk about some of the unique things that come up in far, as far as dental health when a woman is pregnant. And can we start with the morning sickness? Uh, of course. So being a woman, you know, like the most amazing thing. Uh, but it does come with the, unfortunately, some uh, changes in our uh, body. It does mean our uh, dental, um, dental health. So um, some of the things that um, definitely we notice is the morning sickness. And uh, when um, like the women, they um, have morning sickness, the acid in the mouth is very high. So I usually say that um, after you have that, uh, that morning sickness, just make sure that you rinse with water a little bit. Or if you can, you can also brush, uh, which is the best thing you can do. But um, just rinsing it a little bit with water would be a, a good idea. Not such a good idea with uh, rinsing with mouth rinses because uh, they might have alcohol, which is uh, not so good at that time when your mouth is sitting. But uh, just with water, and then that will help and um, just bring that pH back to uh, normal in our gum. 
All right, let's move on to pregnancy cravings because with my first daughter, um, I, I'm not going to lie, I ate putin every single day for nine months. I, I put on a huge amount of weight. <laughs> for my second daughter, my craving was sweet tarts, which was loaded with sugar. So how do the pregnancy cravings and are there any effect our dental health and should we avoid any? And that's the thing is the pregnancy all itself, it shouldn't make any difference on the dental health. It's actually the things that we do that change, you know, our, uh, our dental health. That's the thing. And the, one of them definitely is the, the cravings, which uh, not just you, but I think most of the women, 99% of the women, they have cravings and mostly it's sweets. Um, even for myself, you know, like I remember one time when I was pregnant with my son, I was uh, driving to London with my husband and I think I had like six chocolate bars, which I, if you give me now a little piece, I don't even, I can't even finish. So it's very normal. Again, you know, like I, what can you do? You know, you can't say a pregnant woman, you know, don't eat, you know, like things that you crave. But sometimes, you know, like maybe just mini buy them a little bit. Um, maybe have little pieces at a time, you know, like little sweet and the treat. Um, if you can, and then uh, try to have, you know, like um, maybe brush right after, uh, again, reach water a little bit, uh, or probably have uh, a piece of, you know, like cheese. Just after you have the treat, usually the cheese does help with that will help, and it uh, it kind of neutralizes all the uh, bad stuff that happens uh, in the mouth. So we can't say no stop completely, but just do little things, you know, to help that uh, uh, after you have those, those cravings, which are quite normal. During pregnancy, should you see, uh, should you seek dental care more often or is there some sort of frequency you should look at as you go through? Uh, when we see a patient and we do ask, or most of them, they tell us, they say, oh, I'm pregnant. Um, and we do see little changes. Um, in, in itself, it's a myth that, you know, like things change in your bowel, but they uh, do change because of the lifestyle, as we were saying, God just right before. And uh, the most common thing we see is uh, pregnancy gingivitis, which we see there is a little bit more bleeding in the, in the, in the gums. And then we say that it's a good idea to have um, a little bit um, women more often, most, like, most likely it's going to be three months. Um, and that uh, happens right after you have the baby and also your breastfeeding. Uh, it takes about a year after um, you finish breastfeeding, if you do. But that's usually after a year that your body comes back to normal. So after um, that period of time, you do have to see the left professional a little bit more often. Also for different things that might happen in the mouth, uh, which one thing is also, it can happen is you can have tumors uh, in your mouth. And uh, they are very benign, absolutely nothing. They're not dangerous. They go, as soon as you have the baby or your mouth comes back to you know, it's like magic. Uh, and that, you know, I had uh, a patient, I think I said the last time, and she had six kids. And I saw her during all that time and every single time she had tumors. And the first time she was very scared because she said, what is it? But after, because she had six kids, it became so normal for her. And then um, it just disappeared right after, right after she had the baby. So it's nothing dangerous. But definitely to be like me to see the dental professional more often to make sure that there is nothing gone bad happening in the past. Okay. The last thing I want to ask, because this is, I think a lot of people would, would want to know about this, is are x-rays safe? During pregnancy, I mean, what if, what if you suspect there's a cavity? Can you have an x-ray? What we usually say during the first trimester is not such a good idea to have um, x-rays. But um, if there is an emergency, uh, we have to see problem cause, right? So if there is an emergency, we definitely have to take an x-ray to make sure 
um, to see what's going on and if there is anything as emergency needed at that time. Um, but uh, the excellent of use uh, right now, they are digital, they are very minimal uh, radiation. So definitely they are very safe to use. But uh, if we can, we say, you know what, we'll just wait. Uh, if it's not an emergency and then we'll wait till you have the baby. Uh, or at least after we pass the first trimester and then we can take the x-rays and um, we can take care of whatever needs to be taken care of at that time. All right. Excellent. Anita, thank you so much for joining me again today. Um, where can people find out more information? I know you're always sharing great stuff, uh, especially on your social media. So where can people uh, find out more? So thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, people can find us on our uh, social media, Facebook, Dentalex, Instagram, Dentalex.ca, or at uh, Twitter, that DentalexSmiles.ca. Um, that they can uh, also send us an email uh, or they can uh, they can call the office for sure. And um, we can, we are going to be very happy, very happy to help them. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. You were my summer baby shining in the sun Well I guess you couldn't wait to smell the roses my beauty Two-time Canadian Juno Award nominee Susie Ungerleider officially opens a new chapter of her already distinguished and highly successful career with the August 13th release of her new album entitled My Name is Susie Ungerleider. It's her first since the artist formerly known as Oh Susanna announced that she would now record and perform under her birth name. She joins me to share the single Summer Baby with us and to share the why behind the album. Welcome to the show, Susie. Thanks so much, Candice. This might be the quickest interview ever because we really want to play the whole song. So quickly, tell me the why behind moving to your name as a performer. I wanted to move closer to, you know, who I am as a person every day in life. I wanted to merge my personal and my professional life, you know, closer and closer together as they were going in that direction anyway. And the name felt like it, I just kept separating myself into these two parts. And then the other thing was that I discovered that the lyrics to Oh Susanna, the original lyrics, have all this racist content. And, um, and I definitely didn't want to continue to use the name because of that. All right. And that, so the single Summer Baby, what was the inspiration for this song? I wrote this song for my daughter who was born early. She was supposed to be born in October, but she was actually born in July. Very dramatic entry into the world. And so I wanted to honor her birth story. And I told it in this way. Well, what happened in the morning she was born, all these beautiful hot air balloons were floating in the sky. I was in Ottawa 
you know, I was playing a gig and I got rushed to the hospital and then I, you know, the baby was born and she was healthy and strong. And I was so relieved. And I looked out the window and all these beautiful hot air balloons were floating out there. And it just felt like a reflection of what I felt inside. I, I love the I love hearing these stories of the why behind the songs we listen to. And I'm really curious, is this like the movies where you sat down and you wrote it out real quick or did it take you, you know, a, quite a while to get this song down? It's funny to think about because I actually wrote the song quite a while ago and didn't release it until now. So how did I write it? I think I'm usually pretty slow at these things. So I would gather that I was, you know, I had a little bit of it and then chipped away at it. Maybe not as long as other songs, but yeah, I'm more of a slow thinker and talker and writer. So and now, does your daughter love this song or how did it's she so funny? Because at the time it was like, mom, I just I wrote it for her 10th birthday. And at the time she was like, I just wanted a video game. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I, I love that. I know it's so funny. And then, you know, recently it was her birthday, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I sang this song to her and she didn't cringe. She just smiled and clapped at the end of it, which I thought was amazing for a teenager to do. <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. Well, we're all going to get to listen to it right now and everybody will be clapping at home. So let's listen to Summer Baby by Susie Unger later. You were my summer baby shining in the sun well i guess you couldn't wait to smell the roses my beauty little one my 29-week wonder born after the seventh month you had my heart wrapped up in your tiny fingers as it wrapped around my thumb Tuesday morning, a thousand balloons came floating around my room, around my room. Little baby, you came so small and early, but not too soon. We're over the moon.
That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. My God is gonna Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.